Wow, that was great. How about another round of applause? I think that was uh, wonderful. Thank you. Great. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Uh, I, uh, I've been away for a while. Uh, my apologies for the fact that I was not here for the uh, 4th of July. I, uh, I normally get to preach the weekend of the 4th of July, and you'll understand with my speech impediment, it certainly, it certainly is one of my favorite weekends of the whole year, the 4th of July. I just love that, but uh, I missed it. So great to see you anyway this weekend, and we're going to jump right into uh, continuing this Beyond You series led by the Spirit, and we're thinking about walking in the Spirit. Uh, if you're looking at your bulletin, can I just say, may the peace of God fill your heart. Because some of you are looking at it and you're thinking, oh, wow, look at all that. It's there to help us and uh, you don't have to use it. But if it's helpful, uh, then uh, there'll be a little more PowerPoint this weekend than usual. Let's dive into this. Galatians 5 and verse 16 says this. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things uh, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Uh, I, I hope you're going to be kind of proud of me because uh, this last week I took another step to becoming a real Rocky Mountain man. I decided this week that it would be a fun thing to do to sleep outside on the deck in a hammock. I thought this is what men around here do. I can hear some of you laughing already. What's the matter with you? And I thought, I don't care that there are bears out there and deer and coyotes and meerkats and other stuff. I don't care. I am going to sleep outside. And I did it. I, uh, I, I, I thought it was great. In fact, I, I told Pastor Darry that I'd done it. He was well impressed. He, he, said, he said, henceforth, you will be known as Boone. Daniel, not Pat, you know, just to be clear. But how many of you know that this was not going to be without incident? How many know that? Well, I, I was lying there 5.30 in the morning, sun came up, I thought, nothing Lucas-like has happened, something's wrong here. When suddenly something appeared at my ear, it was, it was buzzing in my ear, it was huge, it was enormous, I was terrified and I... And I, I, I thought, what is that? Is that a jumbo jet-sized bee? Is that, a, is that a rattlesnake with wings? What is that? And, and I have an emergency strategy for these moments. You, you, you climb inside the sleeping bag and you scream. It's a, it's a helpful strategy. Well, I, I have a picture of the, of the thing that attacked me. Now, I, I just need to say this is very serious. 
If, if you're of a nervous disposition, you might want to look away for a moment when I show you the beast that came after me. All right, here it is. Here it is. Where is it? There it is. <laughs> yep. It's a hummingbird. <laughs> they like red in sleeping bags. Someone should have told me that. It should be in the Bible or something. I completely misunderstood. When I heard the phrase, walk in the spirit... I completely misunderstood. And if you're following in the bulletin, that's the first thing. Walk in the Spirit. There are often misunderstandings that accompany this idea of walking in the Spirit. There are misunderstandings. I thought, does that mean I've got to be a spooky Christian? Ever met a spooky Christian? They kind of have a spooky voice and they say, Hello. Do you know Jesus? And you think, who are you going to call? Or, you know, I was confused because one translation of, of this text where it talks about the sinful nature, it uses the word flesh. And so like much of the church throughout its history, I then thought that anything involved in the physical, in the flesh, was wrong and only the spiritual was right. It's a Greek heresy. The docetists taught this in early church days. They taught that Jesus did not really have a human body when he came to the earth. It just appeared that he did because they thought the flesh was evil. Now, that is wrong. Uh, in fact, and uh, if, you, if you get mad with what I'm about to say, then it's all right. You're a docetist, so get over it. The... The early church, they had a heresy floating around that Jesus didn't have this body. He was kind of like an extraterrestrial, the Christmas carol, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Why not? Why wouldn't he cry? I heard a guy get in trouble at a conference because he suggested that Jesus would have had to use the bathroom when he was on this earth. People freaked out. They said, that's a blasphemy. Well, what do we think he did for 33 years? <laughs> and if you think I'm being near the edge blasphemous, I am serious. I want to come around and grab your lapel and say, get out of the docetism. Jesus came physically as a human being. And, and I was confused about the flesh stuff. And then I thought, well, walking in the spirit is when you do weird stuff that you can't explain. So you just say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do it. In fact, you, have, you ever met Christians who were completely unaccountable and everything they do is because God told them, you know? A revelation a day keeps the doctor away. In the end, I came to the conclusion I, it, that this was just impossible for me, that this walk in the Spirit stuff, it was just for grade A Christians, this was beyond me. And I was confused. Well, Paul wrote to a situation where there was a lot of confusion going on about walking in the Spirit and about walking with God. He wrote to the churches in Galatia, in the province of Galatia. He planted three churches at least there. And there was confusion. That's the point there in the bulletin. There was the context for these words was that there was confusion. The confused Galatians, they were, they were getting uptight about Christian life. And there were two extremes going on. There were some in the church who were teaching legalism. A list of rules and regulations normally made by somebody else that says, if you do this, 
then you are a Christian. In Galatia, they were teaching that men had to be circumcised and follow, everyone had to follow all of the Mosaic law. Legalism was kicking in. But then there was another reaction to that. There was an extreme, a pendulum swing, if you will, towards so-called freedom. Freedom, the opposite of legalism. But this freedom was a, a counterfeit freedom. It was like Sin, it doesn't matter, who cares, it's not important uh, because we are free. And that was wrong as well. Legalism is the temptation of the zealot. And freedom can be, so-called freedom can be the reaction against that. And Paul offers us another way, a highway, if you will. And effectively, what is going on is that Paul offers us a call to hit the highway. A call to hit the highway. That's the next statement in the bulletin. And what Paul is saying is, no, don't get into rules and regulations and legalism and don't think that your sin doesn't matter, but rather walk in the Spirit. And I love his language because the word that he use, uses literally means walk around with God. Uh, peripatiti, from which we get our word peripatetic. Aristotle was a peripatetic teacher who walked around with his disciples. And what, what Paul is saying is, no, don't get into this stuff, but walk around with God. Now, let me make a point here. That is exactly what God has always intended for all of humanity. God doesn't want you to become less human than you are. Humanity is his idea. Our gospel does not begin in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall. Our gospel begins in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created, made humans in his image. It is good. God doesn't want you to be subhuman in order to be spiritual. But he wants us, to get excited about this, he wants us to discover what it means to be truly, fully, authentically and healthily human. And when you think about it, it's the way it was always supposed to be because in the Garden of Eden, what did God do? He walked around in the garden. He strolled around with Adam and Eve. And the portrait here is walk around in your life, in our lives with God. So what does that actually look like? What do we need to know if that's going to be our experience? Well, let's continue in the bulletin. First of all, let's know that there is a conflict. There is a conflict, the reality of the fight. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so you do not know what you want. You know that sense of aspiration that we feel? We want to get it right. We want to do better. I believe that's because God is doing something in us by his spirit. Philippians chapter 2, 13 God is at work in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So the Holy Spirit puts aspirational desires in us. But unfortunately, that's not the end of the story because there's conflict, because there's a sinful nature uh, which also has desires, and there's a war going on. And sometimes we forget that we're at war. You know, um, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, I mentioned the 4th of July earlier. When I first came to America, I had never heard of the War of Independence. I didn't hear about that. They didn't maybe they didn't teach us that in history in England because we lost. 
Maybe they just kind of went, yeah, there's this <coughs> July 4th thing, yeah, it's uh, America. I don't know, it might be because we've got such a long history, we've ticked off people around the planet. I mean, you're just one of them. Just get in line, America. But I never knew about the War of Independence. And this pastor called me. He said, Lucas, I want you to come preach in my church on the 4th of July. And I said, why the 4th of July? He said, that's obvious, isn't it? And I went, no. And I flew to California and I'm sitting on the platform and he's introducing me. And he looked at me and he looked at the congregation and he said, the British are coming. The British are coming. (laughs) And I'm like, you're sick in the head. I'm here. I never knew that there'd been a war. I mean, since I've been here, you people have told me every year. He won. (laughs) Paul knew theologically and practically that there was a war going on within him. Romans chapter 7, if you want to read about it. Do you ever sit there and think, if people in Timberline knew what goes through my head, sometime even on a Sunday morning, like 30 seconds ago, if they could put my thoughts up on the screen, they'd probably have to execute me. (laughs) Because there's a war doesn't make you a Christian. It just means they're still alive. So don't be discouraged when those desires come. It's what you do with them. There's an old saying, everyone can experience a bird landing on your head. I found that out this week but you don't have to let it build a nest in your hair. Which is an analogy that just doesn't work for me somehow. (laughs) There's a conflict. Secondly, there's chaos. There's chaos. The second point in your bulletin there, chaos when the sinful nature has its way. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Paul is wanting us to know the truth about sin. Is anyone like me, you kind of are interested in bumper stickers? Does anyone else, part of, one of your hobbies is reading the backs of cars? And I was driving yesterday um, and I saw a bumper sticker that intrigued me. It said, it said, stupidity should be painful. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting thought? And, and, of course, some of us would like the universe to be that way. You know, every time you get a bad thought, 60,000 volts. Zap ya. It's painful because you're being stupid. But it's not that way, is it? So Paul wants to strip away the glamour and the veneer of sin and tell us the truth about it. And he says, if you're going to let the sinful nature have its way, let me, let me show you the consequences. First of all, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. There's that desire from the sinful nature, desire from the Holy Spirit. You let the sinful nature have its way. Sexual immorality is going to be the result. Now, now hold on right there. Because our world glamorizes immorality. But Paul talks about, uses the Greek word pornia, from which we get our word pornography. If I gross you out, forgive me. He uses a word here. It's translated impurity. The best translation is pus. And that's gross. And Paul wants us to know, if you live this life, you are living uncleanness. It's stupid. It's painful. He talks about false religion. He talks about idolatry. 
and witchcraft. He uses the word pharmacia there, from which we get our word pharmaceuticals, because there were some who were using drugs for hallucinogenic experiences to try and become more spiritual. And Paul says, no, that's the result of the sinful, the sinful nature. By the way, nothing changes, does it? And then he talks about fights. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. He talks more about relationships than anything. He talks about being out of control, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, hold on just a moment. Paul says if you, if you, if you live like this, you won't inherit the kingdom. Now, is he saying that if you've fallen in one of these areas, you've lost your salvation? No, he's not. Because this is what is called the dur- a durative word. It means if this is your habitual practice, if this is your pattern of life, Paul is not talking about failure, which is out of character. He is talking about building a consistently immoral life. And he's saying if you live like that, it is evidence that you don't have the kingdom. And maybe, as we're going to see in a few moments, for some of us it might be time to wake up and realize what happens, the chaos that happens when the sinful nature has its way. Well, the third thing, the third point, Paul talks about character. Character, the agenda of God's Spirit in our lives. And he talks about love, joy, peace. We're we're going to come back to those in a moment. Can I make a statement that might seem shocking? Christianity is humanly impossible. Christianity is humanly impossible. You say, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, are you saying, well then, forget it then. No, G.K. Chesterton looked at the Sermon on the Mount and he said, this is impossible stuff. What does he mean? He means that Christianity is not just about hearing what you should do and somehow doing it, but Christianity is about being filled with God's Spirit daily so that we don't just conform behaviorally but that we are transformed in our character by God's Spirit at work. 2 Corinthians 3, we are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, the primary work of the Holy Spirit, leading of the Spirit, is not about direction, but formation. That's why... What would Jesus do? WWJD. How many people are familiar with that? WWJD is a great place to start, but a terrible place to finish. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, there's a lot of things where we don't know what Jesus would do. Would he drive a truck? I'm serious. We don't know. Would he have a fixed rate mortgage or an arm five years? <laughs> what would Jesus do about stem cell research? We're definitively, and please don't come rushing up to me afterwards and say, we, I, oh, I know what Jesus would do. My point is that because we live in a different world with different ethical challenges, there precisely is not always an answer, or there is not always a precise answer to that question. But then the other thing is, WWJD is about imitation but not empowerment. It's no good me knowing what Jesus would do if I don't have the power of Jesus to do it. And that's why Christianity is, by definition, supernatural. It starts supernaturally with a new birth. And it continues supernaturally. Do you know, 
I'm getting a bit excited this weekend. I apologize. Do you know <laughs> that you are a supernatural being? And God's Spirit, He wants to work with us every day, creating character. Some people talk about virtue ethics, where you don't just make a crisis decision at a moment of crisis, but where your character has changed so that you make virtuous decisions because you're a changed person. Character, the agenda of God's Spirit in our lives. So some of us might think, well, that's great then. All right, Holy Spirit, over to you. Well, that brings us to the fourth point, because we have a part to play in this. Choices, choices, the call to daily cooperation. Choices, the, day, the call to daily cooperation. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Can we do a little bit of work here as we wrap this thing up? In Galatians 2, Paul says we have been crucified with Christ. He's talking about our old life, our position in Christ. Now in Christ, our our old life, we're now alive to him now. But then in Galatians 5, he also uses a past tense. He says, we've crucified the sinful nature. Maybe pointing back to that moment when we decided to follow Jesus. The only thing is, that's an ongoing process. Are you like me? How, How many know what a default setting is on a computer? It, it, it's where you just say, I always want my, I, I always want my email organized like this. And I want my screensaver to be that picture of my grandson. That's my default setting. I wish I had defaults. I wish I could go, I will always like celery. I will always run each day without having any mental turmoil before I do it. I will always be nice to people. Oh, that's it. I've got the settings now. I'm done. But no, it's a daily thing because Jesus says, remember the language of crucifixion. Jesus says in Luke 9, if you'd come after me, take up, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily. You see, before Paul ever says it, Jesus gives an exposition on Paul's words. Paul says, crucify. Jesus says, yeah, do it daily. Luke 9, 23. You know what that means? It means that you are not a slave to your own sinful patterns. I am not, it's not inevitable that I mess up in that area. I was uh, on a plane recently. You ever been on a long plane flight with a really screaming three-year-old in the plane? And parents of three-year-olds who are starting to hate me even as I say this right now. This little girl, uh, she was screaming. And, uh, and, and, and people start to get ticked. And I'm thinking, why are you getting ticked? This little girl was screaming and screaming. And everyone's going, you know. <laughs> a lot of horses on the plane, you know. And I'm sitting there thinking, what do you want, what do you want mom to do? Kick the kid out the emergency exit? <laughs> and this little girl, she was so cute. She said, I will never, 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 ever speak to you again. You know, and you can tell some people in the plane going, well, thank God for that, you know. <laughs> and then, then she said, this. she said, I can't be quiet. I can't be quiet. 
And we smile, don't we? And we say, oh, the little kids, aren't they cute? And we, we do that. We say, I, I can't. It's just the way I am. But you see, when we allow God's Spirit to work, something different can happen. Let me show you something in that diagram, and if you want to draw the lines, you can, because you see, when we look at the sinful nature, there's sexual immorality, but look what happens when the Holy Spirit's at work, because now there's love. When there's, when there's false religion, suddenly we move away from those need for those experiences. We discover joy and peace. Instead of fights, look, because now, because of God's Spirit at work, there are these wonderful relational things happening. Because of being out, instead of being out of control, now we, as people full of the Spirit, are experiencing self-control. The power of God is in us to make that happen and we cooperate as we daily make a choice to crucify. I mentioned my uh, friendly hummingbird at the beginning of this message. And as we move now towards uh, a moment of prayer, I, I decided having been under such attack that I'd find out a little bit about my predator, the hummingbird. They're amazing. Let's have a look at the, the hummingbird. Their wings, they flap their wings between 12 to 90 times every second, depending on the species. They can fly backwards. They're the only bird that can fly backwards. They can fly upside down for short spaces of time. They are, as one writer says, one of the most remarkable athletes on the planet. Do you know how they do that? Do you know how they do the impossible? They have to consume their own body in nectar every day. The hummingbird can live up to five years of age. But the hummingbird is always only three hours from death. And so it has to visit hundreds of flowers and they have to stock up towards the end of the day. They go into a hibernation mode and they can only just make it through the night. They have to have the nectar in order to live. And Paul says to the Galatians, since we live by the Spirit. This is not optional extra for turbocharged advanced Christians. He's saying if you want to truly live, you need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Now, the nectar analogy is wonderful but limited because the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is He. But as we are filled with Him, you'd be amazed at what you could do. So, Lord bow before you now, grateful that we are not left alone in our own strength to work out what it means to follow you. Holy Spirit, brood in this place and in us in these moments as we respond to your preached word. With our heads bowed, I felt strongly this weekend I needed to give an invitation to people to come to Jesus and and to become Christians. Why, so why would you try and fix that marriage all by yourself? It was never designed to be that way. 
Well, why would you try, ma'am, and sort out those finances by yourself? Why would you try and kick that drug habit by yourself? Here's the plan from the, the original plan. It was always that you walk around with God in the garden of this life. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but he wants to walk with you if you will invite him to. That's what becoming a Christian is. It's not just sharpening up your life with a bit of morality. It's knowing Jesus and inviting him to take charge and being filled with his spirit each day. Knowing his presence. I'm going to give this very simple invitation. If, if you're at that place and you'd say, I want to respond to this. I want to know Christ. I'm going to ask you wherever you are in this room, in the South Auditorium, on the internet, listening on the radio. Why don't you just lift your hand for a moment? Hold it there for one second as a way of saying, that's my choice. I want to know Christ. Do it now, please, as people are responding. You join them. And once you've done that, you can put your hand down, please. Thank you for responding. Right where you are, why don't you tell him, say, Lord, I want to know you. Take charge of my life. I turn from walking around by myself. And I don't just want your presence, I want your way. I want you to take charge. Fill me with your spirit. Save me. I wonder, before we, before we move on, I wonder how many of us have been challenged today. We've been compromising with something. We've been flirting with it, but we know we need to crucify it. And we need to be decisive today and make a choice. And for some of us, this could be a life-changing moment. Believe me. That's where you're at. You say, I, I, that, there's that area. By God's grace and with his help, I want to make a choice to crucify that. I, I want to put that to death. That, that's going to change now. That's where you're at. Would you slip your hand up, please? Just as a way of saying, I agree. I agree with this. This is, this is what I want in my life. And so, Lord, you can put your hands down. Lord, we pray for every person who's just responding to you. Thank you that you are the rescuer. And we don't need to do this by ourselves. Come to our aid, we pray. Save us, Savior. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we sit up, we're going to give our tithes and offerings now. Thank you for your faithfulness in, in giving and responding to God's Spirit in that way. Uh, if you're a guest with us, you don't need to give. Just put the communication card in if you'd like to. Uh, Chris is going to lead us again in, in worship. Uh, once the plate has passed you by, if you're able and you want to stand, then feel free. Let's go ahead. Ushers, go ahead, please. And uh, let's worship in our giving together. I have a deep conviction that the Holy Spirit is saying something to us. And Chris is on the platform here. Chris has done a wonderful job for us this weekend. He's a guest worship leader. And in preparing for this weekend, I, I called the church office yesterday. And I'm talking about walking around with God. And Chris had chosen his concluding song. And uh, I, said, I said to uh, one of the guys in the office, uh, just tell me which song Chris has chosen. And he started to read the lyric that we've just sung. I'm talking about walking around with God. And Chris's opening response to that, the first line is, I need your hand in mine. 
I'm sorry, but I think that's kind of walking around together, isn't it? So, Lord, with our eyes open for our closing prayer, because we don't go somewhere else to meet you, but you walk around with us in the world in which we live. We say again to you, take your, put your hand in ours, Lord, as we offer our hands to you. And walk around with us this week, we pray, that the fruit of the Spirit might be evident and the world might be a better place. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Two things really important. Chris's CD is out there. You need to get that. Uh, pick that up. Uh, pay for it too. That would be helpful. And, uh, and secondly, very, very important health and safety announcement. Uh, please, this week, I beg you, be careful of low-flying hummingbirds. Those things can be dangerous. God bless you. Have a great weekend. The prayer team are here. If we can pray with you, we would love to. Uh, please make an appointment right now because we're waiting. So be here. God bless you.